Now, this past Tuesday was the first day of summer 2022 officially, and um, perhaps you did this, uh, but I did not attain the summer body I was hoping to get for this year. Um, it's the, I don't know, every consecutive year of my life that that has not happened, so um, unfortunately that did not take place, but there was a man in England uh, earlier this year that got a head start on this. Uh, he was tired of not attaining the goals that he was setting for himself and decided to uh, go about it a different way. He had worked out for years but could never get that uh, result he was looking for. So he reached out to a friend of his by the name of Dean Gunther, who is a traveling uh, tattoo artist, travels all over the world, specializes in color realism, and the two of them were able to come up with a solution to the issue. Let's see what they did. Yes, that is a tattoo of a six-pack of abs. It looks pretty realistic, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend we don't try this at home. Um, and, of course, we know that uh, people will do just about anything to uh, make themselves look better than they actually are. And so today we're going to expand a little bit on this topic. So our scripture, we're in this Summer on the Mount series, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Now, we're going to have every single verse we're going to talk about today is going to be up here on the screen, but if you do have a Bible with you or your phone, I'd encourage you to uh, tune in on that as well because we're going to be bouncing around so many different ways. Uh, it might help to kind of see it uh, all as one passage. So again, this is, uh, I think we're in the fourth or fifth week of our uh, series here as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount this summer, and a little bit of context before we get started. Of course, Jesus, the main, uh, the primary reason for this sermon, the, the overarching theme, is for us to pursue this level of righteousness that exceeds what uh, was originally taught at the time. He debunks several myths in this sermon. He challenges us to go beyond. And here, in this specific example, we get three different passages um, that are very similar. They're parallel. First, we talk about giving. We're going to talk about prayer. And we're going to talk about fasting. Those three items were considered among the basic components of faith at the time. So let's dig right in and start on verse 1. This is uh, the thesis statement, you might say, of this section of the sermon. Jesus says in verse 1, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Of course, Jesus wants us to do good things. He wants us to be righteous. Practicing righteousness in front of others is fine. But it's the underlined section that gives us pause. If you practice your righteousness to gain attention for yourself, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So the issue becomes when we do these things to be seen. Let's skip to the next few verses, picking up in verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, here it is again, to be honored by others. So we've had to be seen by others, to be honored by others. I think we're trying to prove a point here early on. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
So remember, three parallel examples today we're going to go over. This is number one. This is the giving section. Now, giving to those in need was considered among the uh, virtues very important for uh, followers at the time. You see, in this day and age, there was no social security. There was no GoFundMe campaign if someone had a dire need. But it was the followers of the law at the time that would band together and take care of one another. So this leads to our first lesson of our section today, and that is that as we live for God, our focus shouldn't be on ourselves. As we live for God, our focus shouldn't be on ourselves. You know, the subtitle for this series is Living Counterculturally. And boy, is that hard to do when our culture teaches us to be all about ourselves. This sermon that we see here, in Jesus' words, the focus shouldn't be on us. We saw it twice in the first two verses. He's not interested in the things we do to be seen by others or to gain honor from others. We have to keep the attention off of ourselves when we're serving the Lord. And that is difficult today, especially if you have anything to do with social media, right? Now, I'm not here to bash social media, but we do, when we are on one of our social media sites, if we're posting pictures or things like that, we're always posting our highlight reels, the things that we're proud of. It can be very easy to fall into this trap that we make it all about ourselves. And what Jesus is saying here is we can't let this idea bleed over into our relationship with God. Now, I was going to tell you a little bit about uh, this, this girl that I knew that made a post on Instagram which, if I need to explain Instagram just really quickly, it's a social media site where you post photos instead of words or statuses. But uh, she made a post on Instagram, and it was a picture of her. And she didn't get quite as many likes as she thought she was going to get on the photo. So she deleted the photo and reposted it several hours later with the goal of getting more likes on her photo. Now, that seems kind of shallow, and maybe it is, but that example goes to show you that it can be easy to fall into this trap of, if I'm, if I'm posting something, I'm only posting it to see how much traction, how much attention I can get for myself. And so, uh, for those of you who are not as involved on social media, um, you may be sitting here saying, you know, I'm good with this part, he's not talking to me, you know, but... Uh, the truth is, social media is just one way that this happens, right? Uh, the focus can still be on ourselves too much. Maybe it's an outfit that you've had your eye on that you really want to buy to impress someone. Or maybe you like, you'd like for people to uh, take a look off the road and look at your car when, they, when you drive by because of how nice it is, right? Uh, there's nothing wrong with driving a nice vehicle. There's nothing wrong with dressing nice. The point is why we're doing it. Are we doing it to have others look at us, to make other people feel that we're important? What is it exactly? It's our motives that we have to get in check. There is a uh, lady in New York named Edith Gilbert. I think we've got a picture of her. And uh, she is a headmistress of the Spence School, which is a prestigious girls' school in the Upper East Side of New York City. And uh, parents in the local area will do nearly anything to get their children into this school. First of all, because of the education 
the prestige of the school. They want what's best for their kids. But it doesn't stop there. In an interview a few years ago, Edis was uh, telling a story about how parents in the local area will specifically request to be in certain classes with other students because those students are the children of celebrities, politicians, and uh, TV personalities. So, of course, there's nothing wrong with wanting what's best for your children, getting them a good education, but in this particular instance, these parents kind of have some mixed motives. They're looking a little bit, they're looking, trying to look out for themselves, right? We talk about volunteering a lot here at the church. We're always looking for help in different areas. Well, at this school, volunteering is never an issue because parents are willing to sign up to do just about anything so that they might rub shoulders with someone that might could help them in their careers and futures. So again, nothing wrong with trying to get your kids a better education, but when your motives are mixed and you try to draw attention to yourselves, that can be a little hypocritical. The issue lies when we perform our good deeds to be noticed by others. We must get the attention off ourselves and onto God. Our focus should be on God's approval and not on the approval of those around us. All right, let's dig into the next section. This is the prayer section, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So that leads to our second lesson, which is this, going to make you write a little bit here. When we practice righteousness with ulterior motives, we are considered hypocrites. When we practice righteousness with ulterior motives, we are considered hypocrites. Now, I recognize that the word hypocrite is sort of a buzzword in the church. Um, Just in these few verses that we've gone over already, Jesus has used that word twice. So he's calling out this hypocritical behavior. Remember back to the giving passage, it was, when you give, don't announce it, don't announce it with trumpets, don't draw attention to yourself, that's hypocritical, right? Here, Jesus says, don't pray to be seen. Don't be standing out on the street corner so people know that you pray. Don't keep on babbling with all these words to try to impress people. That's hypocritical. It's not about how many people know that we pray. It's not about how fancy or eloquent our words may be. We have to make sure that prayer, when we, when we do pray, that it stays about God and not about ourselves. Now, it's easy to point the finger at someone that we feel is a hypocrite. Very easy. What's not as easy is to look inwardly at ourselves and recognize the hypocrisy that we may have in our very own life. Hypocrisy is defined as behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe. And boy, in this social media age, is it easy for us to put up a front and fool other people 
We may, for others, they may, uh, they may think that our beliefs and actions line up, but perhaps in our hearts we know that that's not always the case. We may be able to fool them, but we can't fool God. And don't get me wrong, it feels great to have someone pat you on the back for something that you've done, but at the end of the day, we have to be careful that our motives are in the right place. Later on in the book of Matthew, Jesus is calling back to Isaiah 29, and he's speaking about these teachers of the law and the Pharisees. These are the people that he's calling hypocrites. And he calls back to this passage in verse 8 of chapter 15, which says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So Jesus challenges us in the Sermon on the Mount to go beyond these teachers of the law. We don't want to be people known as people who will say one thing and do another, right? We have to line up our words and our actions. Now, when it comes to prayer and trying to avoid this, we have very good news. That is that in this Matthew chapter 6 section, we get the model prayer, which is the Lord's Prayer as we know it. And since we've already discussed that Jesus wants us to be righteous, and it's okay to practice righteousness in front of others as long as our motives are in the right place, then I think we should read this together. This is the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we're going to pick up right at our Father in Heaven. So this then is how you should pray. Let's read along. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Notice that the first half of this prayer is all focused on God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. A lot of your there. So when we pray, our focus should not be on ourselves, but should be on God. It's not until the second half of the prayer where uh, in this prayer, the supplication or the requests come. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Notice this is not a lengthy prayer. It didn't take us too long to read it. It's not lavish. It's not these all kinds of big words and everything. No, it's fairly simple. It's focused on God, and then there's room for us to ask of things from God. Remember that prayer is simply communication with God. And maybe today you, you might be thinking, I'm not very good at prayer. I'm, I can't come up with the words. I don't like to pray in front of others. I'm ashamed of how I might sound. Don't worry so much about how it sounds. Prayer is simply our communication with God, our Heavenly Father. And the more we pray, the more we're going to improve at prayer. So you'll certainly get better the more you do it. So I'd encourage you to do so. Now, the next section in this Matthew 6 passage is sort of a callback right to the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus emphasizes a statement that he's making in the Lord's Prayer, and I think that's very intentional and something that we should take note of. Let's look starting in verse 14. Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, 
your Father will not forgive your sins. So just in the Lord's Prayer, he hits on this topic of forgiveness when he says in the prayer, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. But of all the things in that prayer, he goes back to reiterate that point. Why is that? Well, I think it's important, and it, it's something that you want to repeat and make sure that gets across. See, we can find this amazing forgiveness of God that covers over all that we've done. But we also must be willing to be like God and forgive others when they hurt us. Now, forgiveness is sort of a, it's a, it's a very tough concept. We've all dealt with it on both sides. We've had, thing, we've had times when we've needed to be forgiven uh, for things that we've done or said. We also have had plenty of people that have hurt us in our lives, and we've, uh, we've really been needing to forgive them. Forgiveness is not an easy concept. It can be very difficult, and, it may, and your forgiveness may not be immediate. It may take time. But when we recognize what God has forgiven for us, we certainly have to think that we need to follow in his path and be willing to forgive others as well. In fact, it might be, you might use the word hypocritical to describe the idea that we would be able to receive God's forgiveness, but that we wouldn't be able to practice that same forgiveness with those around us. So let's shift gears to our final passage. This one is on fasting. Verses 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So that leads to our final point today, our final lesson. God rewards us when we honor him in secret. God rewards us when we honor him in secret. So let's do a call back here. So let's go all the way back to the first passage about giving. We read something earlier that we kind of skipped over, but I was saving it for this moment right here. Verse 3. When talking about giving, Jesus said, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. How is that possible? What does that mean? Well, when we give a gift, Jesus is saying, don't even let your left hand know that you gave the gift, let alone anyone else, right? It's this idea of this privacy uh, to make sure that the glory doesn't come to you, but to God. All right, skip to the prayer example, verse 6. Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Why? Go into your room where no one else is. Close the door so no one else can see you to make sure that your prayers are between me and God. This idea of secrecy. All right, now... To reiterate, let's go back to the fasting passage that we just read. Here it is again. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there's our lesson that God rewards us when we honor Him in secret. Now, as we said earlier, fasting is the least common of these three topics. Right? We don't have a fasting portion of the worship service every week. 
while we do have prayer and giving each and every week. For those of you who are not as familiar with fasting, fasting is a voluntary reduction or elimination of your intake of food for a specific period of time. And the idea would be that as you suffer through that hunger, that you would recognize your dependence or your need on God. So what does Jesus mean with this oil on your head and disfiguring your face and that kind of thing? Well, in Jewish culture, the idea of the fast typically required this elimination of food for a specific period of time, but it also uh, led to abstaining from other pleasures in life. Uh, Perhaps for us, we know of situations where people would say, you know, I'm going to take a month away from this app on my phone, or I'm going to take a week away from watching television, right? It's that kind of idea, abstaining from things that, we, that are pleasures to us. Well, in this culture, putting oil on your head, washing your face, those were pleasures at the time. And so people that would participate in a fast would uh, abstain from these things, and it would become obvious to everyone else that they would see when they would have dry skin because they weren't utilizing this oil or washing their face, that they were participating in a fast. Now, there's nothing wrong with participating in a fast and abstaining from certain things that maybe you spend too much time doing, but the idea here that Jesus was talking about was, hey, don't make it so obvious when you're fasting. Don't make it to where other people recognize that you're fasting, right? And so we can apply that principle into our lives. Now let's look at, uh, back to verse 1 here. This was the theme verse of our passage. Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. In the underlined section, If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So no reward if you practice your righteousness to be seen. Okay, now verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What does that mean exactly? Well, when we do a deed, give, pray, whatever it may be, if we make it about ourselves, if we do it in a public arena, there is a reward to be had for that. And that would be the praise of others. The slap on the back, the applause the recognition. We, Jesus is saying you do receive a reward when you do something like this, but you've received your reward in full if you make it about yourself. But when you honor God, when you practice righteousness in that secret arena, that private life, there's a heavenly reward from our Father in heaven. If we perform our good deeds for praise, our reward from God is nullified. Our motives determine the type of reward that we receive from God. We have to recognize that the most significant thing that we do for the kingdom of God in our entire lives, looking back on our lives, the one thing that we may do that God appreciated the most may be something that only we know. It may be something that is only between us and God. Nobody else may know about your most significant contribution to the kingdom because of this reward that we, that we receive when we do these things in secret. 
You may not get a pat on the back for the hours of prayer that you spent for that one person in your life who is far from God that ultimately chooses to follow him. You may not get a standing ovation for the large gift that you wrote to that nonprofit organization. It may only be between you, God, and, well, the person that, you know, cashed the check in, I guess. But point being, significance in the kingdom is not about how many people know about it. That's what Jesus is trying to get across here. So let's move on to our connection. We should pursue God with a proper motive. We should pursue God with a proper motive. Now, we've said the word motive quite often today. Let's define it. A reason for doing something, especially one that is hidden or not obvious. When we perform a task, we are often quick to look for the credit. I ran across this meme the other day that I thought was perfect. Husband says, I did the dishes. Wife says, so? Husband is a superhero. Now, I might have to tell on myself and say this exact scenario has played out in my house a couple times. Maybe it has for you as well. Look, we often are looking for the credit for ourselves, right? But simply, I did a basic task, right? Um, and ladies, maybe tell me if I'm wrong here, but... Not showing off that task might actually earn me more points than the fact that I... Yeah, I'm seeing some head, head nods there. Yeah, exactly. So, questions to ask ourselves when we're getting ready to do something. If no one ever found out about what I'm about to do, would I still do it? That's a good gauge on what our motives are. Are we doing this for God? Are we doing this... For ourselves, for the praise from others. Alfred Plummer was a 19th century theologian. He said, The light of a Christian will shine before men and win glory for God without the artificial aid of public advertisement. Ostentatious or showy religion may have its reward here, but it receives none from God. We've talked about how Jesus in this sermon is calling on us to go a step beyond. I believe it was last week in Matt's sermon that we read, if, if someone asks you to go one mile, go two miles, right? Go the extra mile. So, back in, earlier in this sermon series, back in Matthew chapter 5, we see Jesus say this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I appreciate Scripture when it's so clear. Jesus, throughout this entire Sermon on the Mount, is calling out this hypocritical behavior, and he's mostly focusing on Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he's telling us, here in 2022, as we read this, it's still applicable, unless our righteousness surpasses all of these things that he's calling out, we can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we've got to continue to make sure our motives are right in line with where Jesus is calling us. So over the last couple of days, um, as I've been studying this passage, I've read this multiple times, 
And no, I'm not saying this to get glory for myself. But where I'm going with this is, I've read this so many times over the last couple of days, and as you've probably noticed as we've gone bounced through the scriptures, a lot of the same language is used in the giving section, prayer, fasting. He uses hypocrites three times. He basically is uh, repeating himself in some ways and using the different examples. So what I've done is I've written you a summary of all three passages. Now, this is not scripture. This is me. So take that into account. But this is just one man's view on the entire 18 verses we just read. When you blank, whatever that may be, pray, give, fast, worship, when you blank, don't be a hypocrite, for they love drawing attention to themselves to be seen by others. They may get praise for what they've done, but they shouldn't expect any more reward. Instead, when you blank, keep it to yourself. Don't alert others to your good deed. Then God will reward you after seeing what you've done in secret. Jesus wants us to be righteous. He calls us to surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at at the time. And the Sermon on the Mount is a great way to figure out what exactly he means by that. He wants us to do good in this world. But the truth is, Jesus is just as concerned about our deeds as he is why we did what we did or how we did it. If it was in a public arena, if it was in a private arena, God is concerned about our motives. And that's why the title of this sermon is Godly Motive. We must have a godly motive as we go about serving him. So may we together pursue God with proper motives and receive an eternal reward of life everlasting, the kingdom of heaven with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this Sermon on the Mount in which you give us so many clear directions on how to live, how to be better followers. God, we know that this calling to serve you is a high calling. It's not something that comes about easily. There is a cost to each one of us. There are things we have to deny, and oftentimes that's ourselves. But God, I pray that specifically the passage that we went over today, that you would help us to put this into practice, that you'd help us to recognize that this life, this Christian life, is not about ourselves. It's about honoring you. God, help to steer us away from this hypocritical behavior that we sometimes can fall into. But God, we know that we know the type of follower that you want us to be. So God, when we have time where we want to get the glory for ourselves, help us. Help us to recognize that the most significant things we do for you might just be in private, where no one knows it except for you and for me. God, we thank you for this time we've had together. And I pray that even as we finish up here and go about our daily lives, that you continue to mold our hearts to be more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.